0: You know Ryan I I, I saw a revelation earlier today, and I'm excited to institute this into my everyday life. A very exciting thing I saw. Uh, DK Metcalf from the Seattle Seahawks, should have been a Philadelphia Eagle, DK Metcalf, went on a program with Kevin Garnett earlier and, and told us about his revolutionary new diet where he says, I eat one meal a day, drink one coffee, and eat like three to four bags of candy. And Rookie. <sighs> What a diet!
1: <laughs> Only three to four. That's he's got some. Uh, he, he's got to step up a little bit, I think.
0: Yeah, just to to be an athlete where you're just your job is to burn that many calories that you can just be like, yeah, I just eat three to four bags of candy. And he went on to clarify that the candy is like he eats like like gummies, like uh, like gummy worms, or like uh, I think he said like the like lifesavers gummies. So it's like gummy candy just eating three to four bags is going to actually is too much for me and I love candy and that's just too much for me
1: yeah that's way too much and like I gotta say like even even if it is gummy worms or gummy bears or whatever like are those technically like healthier candies than some of these other ones you have out there like do those are they easier to burn off for someone like him which like by the way I I do want to say like his sick like I things like this piss me off Because he has an unbelievable, insane humanoid body. Like he's got that, like an eight pack. It's not even a six pack. He's got like an eight pack abs. And here I am just trying to get a six pack. And the second I have a single slice of pizza, I'm like just a sloth, sloppy, gross, slow, flabby creature for like an entire week. And it takes me that long to burn it all off. And it just, it annoys me that there are people genetically just insane like like DK is.
0: I'm just content to have my keg. I can't even dream of a six-pack, a four-pack. Six four yeah. I would settle for a two-pack, really. But I just have my keg, <laughs> and I'm happy with it. You know, I, I go out, I had a delicious meal last night. You know what? That's my lot in life. But it, this is just, like, at least my dream from, like, college or high school where you could just, like, eat, like, candy all day and, like, still look amazing. It's just stunning to me. If you
1: like partook in this diet what would be your uh your three candies your three bags of candy oh. or would they all just be this three bags of the same candy or would they be different
0: oh that's a good question well there would have to be at minimum one bag of Reese's peanut butter cups at least yes like that's my my favorite that's my ride or die right there and, and not those little mini ones I need the full ass Reese's cup but not you know? the like big you... cup either like I need the traditional regular ass cup yeah, no, I
1: agree. I gotta have those in there.
0: they fucked around uh-huh. a lot over the years trying to make different size Reese's Cups, and they just have never beaten the original. The only variation that works are the the eggs at Easter time. but I are right now. I, was
1: about say,
0: I went to the store yesterday, and I, <laughs> I was getting, like,
1: a bunch of vegetables and fruits, and, like, I was gonna make some sort of, like, vegetarian dish. I was trying, like, a vegetarian thing. What What is it? Uh, uh, what are those... Things that you like order Hello Fresh. Yeah, that's yeah, one yeah. Thing. We, me and my girlfriend got a Hello Fresh box, and um, basically we we made it, and it was great. But while I was there, I was getting like all these healthy foods for this Hello Fresh thing because apparently, like, she had it for a while, and all the veggies went bad, so I had to get some more. Oh, those veggies go bad very quickly. Oh my god! Like, see, this is what's yeah. I, I don't understand how people eat go through so many vegetables so quickly, but. Um, I was walking down the aisle. I saw those Reese's eggs. I'm like, oh boy, here we go. It's time. And so I got a whole bunch of them. And you know what? I ate like six of them on the way home. I don't care. I don't care. It's so worth it. And that's what my soul needed at that time. It's so, good for the no soul.
0: It's good. And DK yeah. knows. DK understands. Yeah,
1: DK would definitely approve, I think.
0: Like I, I just feel like Kevin Garnett in in Uncut Gems where he's like, why the fuck would yeah. you show it to me if I can't have it? Like, that's how I feel <laughs> about this diet here. It's like, why would you show this to me? I can't have this. I would die within a week.
1: <laughs> my God. I think. All right. So here's my my go-to lineup. I think I would have Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Um, the, have you had Airhead Extremes? Not in a while, but I have had an Airhead Extreme, yes. Dude, those things are straight-up drugs. I'm not sure those should be sold in stores. Like, You know how they talk about, like, oh, this hot sauce is so crazy, it's illegal in, like, 10 countries or whatever. That's what Xbox, that's what Airhead Extremes should be. Uh, I feel like they should be banned in many countries. And then, obviously, the greatest candy of all time, Sweet Tarts.
0: Oh, okay. You're going for the sweet tart right there. All right. I would not go with the sweet tart, but I do enjoy the occasional sweet tart.
1: Yeah. No, it's good. Yeah. I I don't know what it is. There's something about sweet tarts that always hit. Like, it's just a... It's a homer right down the middle every
0: single time. And uh, yeah, I think that would be my three if I had to pick. So I would have a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup for sure. Uh, It's very tempting to go with two because I I love them that damn much. And then (laughs) the... I would definitely have... I have like a really weird soft spot for those like those gummy like sour watermelons the ones that uh you know the ones I'm talking about and I I just I've always enjoyed those I don't know what it is but I love the hell out of those they're a great movie candy for me I will eat like a metric ton of those in the movies so they'd probably be in there and then the third choice is a really difficult one I don't Know if I could go with a Snickers here, even though that probably has the most nutritional value of most candies. That's right. Because it's got actual nuts in it. It's what's that thing in Seinfeld? It's like, Jerry, it's got the cookie crunch. It's got the cookie crunch. <laughs> that's the Twix. Okay, that's my choice right there. Twix is the only candy. Jerry, yeah, it's, like yeah. Gary, it's yeah, the only yeah. candy with the cookie crunch. <laughs> yeah. I get the candy and lineup, Twix. and George has it all lined up, and then people are like, well, I don't like coconut. He's like, Twix doesn't have coconut.
1: <laughs> I feel I don't know why I get Snick, Snickers and Twix mixed up all the time, and like I, I really don't know why because like they're both they don't really taste that similar. I feel like, but no, they don't. Yeah, for some reason I I, I like mix and match
0: them. All they the time. they do both have chocolate and caramel, and that's like the the main. I guess force they have in common there, but the one I always get mixed up are Almond Joy and Mounds because they have like the same packaging. I think they both have coconut inexplicably. I don't know why Almond Joy has coconut, but it does.
1: You know what else is good? And I feel like this has slept on a little bit. I I think dots are
0: awesome. Dots. Wow. I have dude. I haven't even thought about dots in, I want to say five plus years. They're coming back. They're coming coming back. back. You bring them
1: back. (laughs) I saw <laughs> I saw someone mentioning them on Twitter the other day, and I was like, "Oh my God, dots!" And then when I was in the store that same day when I got those Reese's eggs, I saw dots. I'm like, "Oh my God, here we go!" Like <laughs> it's all coming. This is the universe saying that I should have some dots, and I I didn't have any dots, which I perhaps regret slightly. But yeah, I mean, I, I feel like they're they're on their, they're coming back. You know, it's kind of like when Dunkaroos made their um, triumphant return not too long ago.
0: That's true. And you see Dunkaroos everywhere. Like, actually, speaking of Hello Fresh, like, one of the add-ons they had that Em got a few weeks ago was some sort of Dunkaroos, like, dip or some something you could bake of some sort. So they even included a Dunkaroos thing with that. Yeah, yeah.
1: My God, Dunkaroos. Talk about a childhood. Like, just what a memory. Just growing up and having... Dunkaroos on a Saturday night, friends are over, everyone's having the best time playing, you know, Ratchet and Clank or something.
0: Well, that was like such a great at school like lunch add-on if you had the Dunkaroos, like you were the envy of it the was. entire lunch table. Like that was the trades with the trade offers would start immediately. It was like having oh, yeah. your own Claude Giroux right there that you were gonna give away. Except <laughs> unlike Chuck Fletcher, you wouldn't just give it away. Well, I guess also the Dunkaroos wouldn't limit itself to just one kid at the lunch table. No, no way.
1: Yeah. Dunkaroos, what's the other like un- like can't Oh, Cosmic Brownies.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Cosmic Brownies are yeah. great. That's that is a great like I went through those a lot in my like early 20s when I was living on my own for the first time when I was pretty much like I was eating terrible and this is why my stomach is garbage today because right. it would just be like I would make just I'd make pasta and jar sauce like like i'd eat that for like three to four days a week pretty much because you make like one (laughs) batch it costs you like five bucks and that's all you eat and then i'd have like a box of like little debbie's like cosmic brownies or something you could just you know i i don't know how i'm alive i really don't
1: i i'm honestly amazed that i'm still living after what i went through when i was living out in las vegas for like a year and a half i had dude so pizza is my favorite food in the world by far. Like, it's not even close. It's like, if someone It's said, great.
0: Pizza's fantastic. Yeah. If
1: Come someone on. said you can't have pizza ever again, I would, it would be like morning. It would be really, I would go through like the stages of grieving and it would be really bad. Um, but when I was out there, I was having it like every other day and it was just like, oh God. And I, it just, yeah, it was a bad time like
0: pizza so good but you feel very disgusting if you have it more than like 2 to 3 I could probably have it 2 days in a row but like when you have it 3 days that's when you start to be like oh you're boy, great I'm, yeah. I'm just a piece of shit
1: <laughs> You can like feel the pizza sauce like seeping out of your pores after day 3 it's like oh god you feel sticky and sweaty you feel like the uh, uh, John Schnatter, the the Papa John's guy, <laughs> when he did that interview and he was all sweaty for no reason. He's like, "I eat, I eat eight to ten pizzas every day," and it's like, "Oh my god, how are you actually? Like, really? How
0: are you still alive?" I don't understand how that man is alive in, in many respects, but I, yeah, the the picture where he's just all sweaty and just like, uh like <laughs> so good.
1: <laughs> He was John, yeah, John Schnatter, yeah. I wanted to make sure I had his last. I'll
0: be honest. Got yeah, to looking at
1: the photo now, where he's all. Oh god, it just makes me
0: uncomfortable looking at it. I'll be honest, you pulled that one out. I, I, if you had told me his name without throwing on the Papa John's guy, it would have taken me at minimum like fifteen minutes to figure out who you're talking about.
1: <laughs> the Papa John's dude. I mean, that's really what he is. But for some reason, I, I like, I can never remember anyone like by name ever. But for some reason, John fucking Schnatter, I can remember him like, so, so well because of that meme.
0: Sounds like he's got like a, a like, are you familiar with the the Schmitter in Philadelphia? I don't think I am. Okay, so the Schmitter is a sandwich that they used to sell at Citizens Bank Park. There's a local bar that created it. It's a very unusual, I'm actually, I gotta look it up. But that the Schnatter just sounds like the Schmitter to me. <laughs> schmitter. let's see schmitter sandwich which bar is it that came up with it in the first place mcnally's i believe it was yeah so the schmitter is yeah it would be at like one corner of citizens bank park at, at philly's games i'm trying to remember what was on it because it's not it's not a cheesesteak, it's not a roast pork, but it is decidedly a Philly thing. What are the ingredients yeah. in this thing? But it was like, it was always one that I had, and I'm like, this is kind of weird, but it's good. And I, this might be blasphemy to some people, because they do love themselves a Schmitter, but uh, it was not. Here we go, I, I got one. the ingredients here. So we got uh, mayo, sweet pickle
1: relish, ketchup, uh, oh boy, wort. Worcestershire, not Worcestershire, sure that... Worcester... Worcestershire. <laughs> Worcestershire. Wow, I just you got to say that. it really fast,
0: like uh, pretend you're like the sweetest chef or something. Go Worcestershire,
1: Worcestershire. Unsalted butter, thinly sliced roast beef. This actually sounds outstanding. Wow,
0: and it looks at it looks amazing. I think what I didn't like about it was the the more mayo based because, uh, and don't, you know, well, Kelly doesn't listen to this podcast anyway, so I can just blaspheme her in any way I want. But <laughs> Kelly and I have gotten disagreements before on mayo because she loves it and she thinks like mayo is just fine on its own. And I'm always like, I only like it if it's like aioli style, where yeah. she's like, well, aioli is just mayo with stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but the stuff is what I like. The stuff is what right. makes it good to me. She's a mayo lover. Her and Sydney Crosby should hang out. <laughs> <laughs> he is a good Canadian boy. Although, unlike <laughs> yeah. most of her her favorite Canadian uh men, he cannot grow a beard, as we know. He's tried many times and he cannot.
1: He's failed.
0: <laughs> I just started, I don't know why, but <laughs> I started
1: thinking of that song The Metal by Tenacious Dean. It's just like Sydney Crosby tried to destroy the beard or uh tried to grow a beard.
0: But he failed! But he
1: failed! To the ground. <laughs> <laughs> god almighty
0: you cannot grow the beard, Sidney crosby <laughs> we all know jack black a uh, big fan of the show and I, you know if you could record an alternate version about Sidney crosby trying to grow a beard we'd much appreciate it mr black and and kyle gas we can't leave uh, kyle gas out of this
1: no you gotta you gotta include cage you know cage jack appreciate you listening as always you're just such good friends of the show
0: yeah, I think about weird cuts from that first Tenacious D album all the time. Like the karate song where he's like, with karate, I'll kick your ass. Like, I think about that a lot. I think about this the ridiculous City Hall song from the end of the album. Like, I I, I don't know why that one just like embedded itself on me.
1: I love the drive-thru skit. I think oh, that yeah. was from that album where it's just like, Cage, hey, what are you doing? He like wakes him up. I'm hungry. Let's go get some food. It's like, all right. They go to the drive-thru. It's just like... <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I would like to have a
0: large Coke, but half Coke, half diet Coke. I'm trying yes. to watch figure. <laughs> like, give me the milkshake, but take out all the good, like, it, just everything is like unhealthy. But he's like, do this thing to make me feel slightly better about it. And yes. I, think, I think about that one a lot, too. I think about the diet Coke bit specifically, like, whenever I'm getting fast food, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's like, uh, give me the uh, six chicken
1: McNuggets. They're like, or uh, give me four chicken McNuggets. They're like, it only comes in six. He's like, take two of them and throw them away. Just give me four. And then they say, well, we can't do that. And he starts losing his mind. Shut up. Listen to my order and stick two of those nuggets up your ass. (laughs) Like He's just going (laughs) crazy on this person. And then it's finally time for Cage to order. And he orders something in like 10 seconds, and Jack Black's just losing his mind. God, you're taking forever. (laughs)
0: Jesus. Uh, Yeah, he's like, come on, come on, Cage.
1: (laughs) God, what a legendary duo. I would put them in the top five duos of all time. They're a great
0: duo, right? They absolutely are. And I, you know, I saw them way back in the day. I want to say like 2000, 2001, back at a Y100 festival, which is a. concert radio station in philadelphia was y100 my favorite station growing up uh and they played a lot of like alternative rock and stuff and they always put on a big like a big music festival every year in the summer and they got some great great bands at this usually and i just remember like early in the day tenacious d was playing and there's like probably like five people in the crowd like people are still like coming in like uh sifting in and just like it's probably like three o'clock in the afternoon. And like, they're just up there doing their thing. And I'm like, yeah. 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 That was before they even released uh, the Pickens' destiny. Yeah. It was way before that. It was, I, I loved them. And they had that weird HBO show back in the day that, that I watched. And uh you know, I've I, people who listen to the show will know I have a lot of weird comedy influences, which is <laughs> why the show is like it is. And you know, that that was such an inspirational to me. And So a quick transition here where I, you know, Dave Grohl played the devil in the pick of destiny Yes, and I really would be remiss if I did not mention, unfortunately, Taylor Hawkins passed away last week was really shocking death. And I've been a big Foo Fighters fan since the beginning and I was supposed to see them this summer. It just sucks. I mean, but what a tremendous drummer tremendous talent and I know it's not hockey related and we haven't talked about anything hockey related except for Sidney Crosby's shitty beard to this point but I really wanted to mention just like Taylor Hawkins just I I saw a tweet that said he's like the one drummer that would make you not mind that Dave Grohl isn't exactly dude that's the
1: best way I haven't so I did not see that tweet but that is so true like you would think that it is Dave Grohl on the drums when you're listening to Foo Fighters, but it's, it's Taylor Hawkins. And like, he's as much Foo Fighters. I know Foo Fighters was started as a solo thing by Dave Grohl and it was essentially just really just him for the first two albums. But when Taylor Hawkins came along, he, he's just as much Foo Fighters as Dave Grohl is, which is amazing. You know, like it's, I feel like when I think of Foo Fighters, I think of, Dave Grohl and and Taylor Hawkins and Nate Mendel too. Like I know he's been there a long time basis, but like it's those two were such a dynamic duo and like the way like listening to what Dave Grohl has had to say about Taylor Hawkins over the years, just basically saying that they're, you know, They're partners in crime. They're basically brothers. He looks at him like legitimately like a brother and they might as well be related. Like they hang out all the time. Their kids would, you know, hang out all the time together and they would go over to each other's houses, have barbecues and stuff. And like, it's just, it's so sad that it happened that way. And from what I've heard, I I think TMZ reported, I don't know if there's been any additional um, confirmation on this, but I, I believe TMZ reported that apparently there was some sort of like drug in his system. Um, and that just really breaks my heart. Cause I know he had some addiction issues in the two thousands and nineties. So it's just, it's re- it's so sad. Cause he was such a good dude. And I, I'm glad that I got to see the Foo Fighters with him on the sticks twice. Um, it's just, yeah, I'm really glad that, you know, it, it wasn't too late.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm disappointed I'm not gonna get to see them this summer and uh never gonna see him play again because he's just a, a great drummer, man. Just a, a tremendous drummer. And I saw them either three or four times. I have trouble remembering at this point. The coolest show I saw with them though was I saw them do an acoustic show at the Tower Theater in West Philly. And that was that's like one of my top three shows of all time. That was just a fantastic show. And if you've never been to the Tower Theater, size-wise It's like, it's probably pretty medium sized, but like if you've ever been in, it's like the size of like a traditional like theater pretty much. Yeah. So, uh, it's got that seating where it's like, it's not, it's like a straightforward room. Like the stage is like the, the, pretty much the, the room is as wide as the stage. Right. And it's like such a great venue for that kind of thing. So if you can see somebody like a, a Neil Young or see anybody play acoustic there, like that's, it's just one of the best venues for that. And, like, one of the great recordings um that I've heard over the years is my dad got this bootleg of Bruce Springsteen playing there back on New Year's Eve in, like, 1976 or something like that. And it's, like, one of the coolest recordings. And I can only imagine seeing, like... In his prime, Bruce Springsteen at the Tower back in the seventies—that's just like one of the most unbelievable. Just it, it, so it's like not the smallest venue, but it's still pretty intimate, and it's a great place to see uh, an acoustic show or a more intimate performance. Right.
1: Yeah, and that's my thing. Like, I love those like more intimate shows, um, and I think one of the reasons why is like I just they're so. I rarely go to those types of of shows. I feel like normally when I go to show, it's it's not. Typically, I'll go to like a little, like a small venue, but it's it's anything but intimate. It's not like one of those places where it's a small, you know, room with like a lot of people um, and it's like softer music. Like whenever I go to a venue, it's typically a, a like a punk venue. <laughs> so everyone's like fighting each other. <laughs> so, um, it's intimate, but like not the kind of intimate I'm referring to right now. So like, um, yeah, no, I think that would be really cool. I think, I know they did that like skin and bones thing, but I don't think, I'm not sure if that was a tour. Oh yeah, skin and bones, that was it. Oh, you went to that. Wow, that's really cool. Okay. Yeah. I, when I saw them, I saw them at the Richmond Coliseum in Richmond uh, back when it was still like operating. Um, like maybe four or five years ago, something. And then in 2015, I saw them at the uh, their, 20, their 20th anniversary show. Um, and it was like, kind of a cool show because it was their first show after Dave Grohl broke his leg, I think in like Sweden or something. And everyone was like, how's he going to play? Like, how's this going to work? And so like the show starts and we're like, where's Dave Grohl? And he comes out in a throne made of guitars and he just, <laughs> he he played in the throne, the, the guitar throne, the entire show. And I think they played like two and a half hours. And that's not including like the open, like there were like eight opening acts. Heart was an opening band that day. Heart, Gary Clark Jr., Red Gold Green, um, Joan Jet, like it was crazy. That was that was wild. That was like a little mini festival.
0: That's a great show. I I, so I like I had two great show. Well, I, I I know I saw them another time, but I really can't remember the other time. But the two that really stick out to me are the acoustic show I saw, the Skin and Bones tour, and the show I saw them with like Weezer. And hot, hot heat at the Wells Fargo Center in oh my god, I can't even remember the year. I think it was around the time the annoying ass Beverly Hills.
1: I feel like that era, that like, because that sounds like that was around like two thousand five, two thousand six. That Weezer album with Beverly Hills. I feel like that's when it started getting weird with Weezer. Like before that,
0: yeah, you're like, hey,
1: what's going on here? And now, yeah, now it's just like that. I I love early Weezer but I just can't listen to their new stuff. It's hilarious.
0: No, it's it's no good and like they had the nerd rock thing going on early on and it, it's so funny cuz I've seen Weezer a couple times and like the first time I saw them at that same Y100 festival from back in the day Rivers Cuomo was like very shy and they were very like proficient but no stage presence band and then the second time I saw them they had a ton of stage presence at that Foo Fighters show but you know they started making stuff like Beverly Hills and then Whew, what a trajectory for that band!
1: I feel like their biggest hit since Beverly Hills is Africa, their cover of Toto, <laughs> which sucks. By the way, it's not good. No, no, it is not good. Did you hear their cover of a uh, of Enter Sandman? Oh no, I I don't think I did. It's not good. You'll be shocked to know that it's a it's, it's a bit of a failure. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> For some reason, a couple months ago, a bunch of artists came out with, like, just Enter Sandman covers. And I think I think they released it as, like, one, like, album type thing. Um, I guess just honoring the song. Maybe it was, like, the song's, like, 25th anniversary or whatever it was. Um, but I remember Weezer did a cover. And then Mac DeMarco, who's, like, not... The kind of guy who you would ever expect to cover Enter Sandman, he was on it, and it was like he intentionally made it like hilarious, and it was yeah, that was really cool. But yeah, Weezer's yeah, they should just stick to I don't know, not covering classics. I think. <laughs> Enter- <laughs> they should maybe
0: they should just kind of end it. I don't know. I don't want to say. Oh my god, dude, I, I'm 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 down for that. That makes sense to me. That sounds right to me. And uh, an entire album of Enter Sandman covers is just like an atrocity to my younger self who was obsessed with that song and obsessed yeah. with Metallica for a while. And just,
1: it was oh a slap man. in the face. It really was. And you know what, Steve, speaking of slaps in the face. There it is. I feel like we, we, we have, we have to talk about Will Smith, Chris Rock, the slap heard around the world. West Philly's own Will Smith. <laughs> Will Smith. Yeah. I heard he's from West Philadelphia.
0: Not a lot of people know that. Born and raised, and I heard he spent many days on the playground. The thing about this Will Smith slap is that it just, the reactions to this have been insane. Like the Judd Apatow tweet where he's like, he could have killed him. Like, <laughs> come yeah. on, man. Are you kidding me with this? Like, <laughs> I. Okay, look. It, was it wrong that he went up there and slapped him? Absolutely. You should never assault a comedian. That shouldn't happen. And. You know, but like, it's a slap we're talking about. Nobody was going to die. And it was pretty friggin' funny at the end of the day. And, And I think the people of Philadelphia in particular just found this extra funny to just see the West Philly like emerge out of Will Smith like that.
1: It was just, yeah, I don't like I don't really care enough to have much of an opinion on it. Like my whole opinion, my opinion is very much like a Switzerland opinion. It's just like both both things are true. Like Will Smith shouldn't have slapped him in the face and Chris Rock should not have made that joke, yes. but both things happen. And it just culminated into this really beautiful hurricane of, of just internet gold. And um, God, that night, that was, that was a Twitter night that I will never forget. Like once every couple of years, there's a Twitter night where something happens that the whole, literally everyone on Twitter is talking about. And that was one of those nights. And I stayed up until like 3 a.m. just watching, like looking at memes. It, it was just,
0: it was so much fun that night. It was a really great Twitter night. Like it, it, my top Twitter night is still the night that Cliff Lee signed with the Phillies when he, he came back. Yeah. And like it was, they were the mystery team. We're like, holy shit. <laughs> one of the great reveals of all time. But this is, you know, this was a pretty damn good Twitter night right here, and just the the outrage is very funny to me. These people are like, "Oh my god, he kind of killed it!" Like, come on, Uh, guys. But the question that I would like to pose, based on this, uh, and also, wait, before I get to this question, um, I love the Daniel Radcliffe take where he's just like, "I don't care." Yeah, I know. (laughs) That's exactly how it should be. Like, (laughs) it's like
1: uh, someone tweeted this the other day where. They basically said, um, ladies and gentlemen, I regret to inform you, the celebs are at it again. And I feel like Daniel Radcliffe <laughs> basically has that same like opinion on the whole thing.
0: Oh, yeah. Great take from him right there. But the, the question that I have for you today, <laughs> Ryan, is <laughs> if presented with the opportunity to just give one person a... Big old slap, and it could be hockey-related or not, but, you know, maybe think about it hockey-related, because I, I certainly know a big portion of the Flyers fan base would love to slap Chuck Fletcher, yeah. they'd love to slap Dave Scott. If you could slap one person, and actually, let's let's open this up to just ever. like uh, okay. Maybe, no, let's make it hockey history. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, let's do that. You can slap one person in hockey history. Who would it be, and why?
1: This is going to sound really insane so let let me preface this by saying this guy is an unbelievable like definitely a hall of famer i don't know about first ballot or not but definitely a hall of famer from everything i have heard he seems like a terrific person off the ice um but i will never forget what he did in 2011 and it still drives me insane and it would be Chris Latang. It would be like not even a second thought. I will never forget when that, in, during that insane series between the Penguins and Flyers, when he fought Kimo Timonen.
0: Oh God, that's right. That did happen.
1: That pissed me off so much because like, first of all, Timonen had never fought in his life ever. And he not only is just like, like I get if you're, you know, I get if you're going at it like maybe you know that'll be his first one whatever like make it a minor thing. He dragged his his jersey over his head and was wailing on him for no like I ju- I don't understand like clearly Teomanin had no idea what he was doing in that fight and Latang was just being an insane person and so I ever since I saw that he's. Honestly, like again, I just want to say I know he's a good person. He seems like a genuinely terrific dude. But if I got the opportunity, I would slap him silly, over and over again until someone had to like
0: restrain me. Like that, just my god, yeah. What a choice! I, I'm very proud of your choice right here, Christopher Ladang, Doc. Christopher. <laughs> now, my question for you, Ryan is is that good hair or bad hair on that head right there
1: like would your person have good hair or bad hair
0: chris letang have good hair or bad hair because he's got that long hair Oh, he's got those locks is it good hair or bad hair
1: now now i think he looks like a dad um i think he just has like boring hair now
0: but okay well like his classic like his long old hair. Chris Letang hair. Yeah, his old hair. I'm actually forgetting. Oh, God, I'm going to get pissed off. Just like, you, you look up a picture of that, and I'm just because Chris Letang, like it wasn't the the Penguins. I guess have some of the most distinctive hairstyles in hockey history. The Yager mullet, of course, being the classic right there. But Letang has this like he had this like weird like almost like a a long bob if you will yeah i always found it like a very odd look and just of all the things that would annoy me with those penguins right crosby's face in general which is annoying (laughs) malkin's hideous frankenstein monster type looks (laughs) (laughs) chris letang's hair you know like so all these little things i could nitpick the fact that Marc Andre Fleury was called flower. I know. It's it, it, it all just irritated
1: me. <laughs> yes, it does. It all like it all comes together to be one just heaping pile of uh anger inducing just a mess. Um, with French fries and coleslaw on top. Of course, yeah. MAO. Um, yeah, I feel like this is bad hair. Um, his old long hair, because what like he, first of all, he looks like Xavier Laflemme from Goon. Um <laughs> and that's a good and
0: pull. That's pull, a good pull.
1: It makes him look extremely French. Oh yeah, like too. Um, which like I like France. France. I mean, if there are any people from France listening to this podcast, I dig France. I've never been there. I would love to go. They come from um, France, but some. <laughs> but sometimes French people have some wild hair, and this is some wild, like reeking of. I go to French nightclubs and and you know, go to see. <laughs> Uh, Daft Punk. Um, I smoked many,
0: many cigarettes.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. He's he's like one of those hardcore dudes who's from France. I feel like he's that's the look he was going for, and it's just uh, you know what? Looks like a clown. Oh, okay. Straight up clown,
0: well, Christopher well. Letang.
1: <laughs> what is Pierre doing now? What is he like? How is he surviving without he's being in able the to-
0: front <laughs> office of the Ottawa Senators?
1: Oh God. <laughs> I honestly, I had no idea where he even went. I kind of, as soon as, uh, as ESPN took over, I was like, all right, sayonara, my friend. It was good knowing you or was it the single best thing about this
0: ESPN deal? You know, I know people are like, Oh, we can only get some games streaming and that upsets me. Blah, blah, blah. Listen, we don't have to deal Pierre creeping players out anymore. Okay. I know getting up in Mike Richards' grill going like, hey, Mike Richards, I'm inside your mouth. What do you have to say? Like, he's like, basically, (laughs) I'm reporting from Mike Richards' brain right now. Doc. (laughs) You know, this brain was formed back in the 80s, Doc. Let me tell... Oh, Jesus Christ, I don't miss him. I don't miss him at all. I do miss Doc sometimes, though, because Doc... Even though... Doc's Doc's a classic. Although, sometimes Doc could even be a bit much, where it's just like, ah! Just like screaming yeah, yeah. for like sixty minutes. Yeah, I I love Doc. I like I don't know the I, excitement I guess the level. Like I grew up with.
1: Yeah, so it's like
0: the man's excitement level is unparalleled. Nobody can match that excitement level, and it's just like it's hard to find a good neutral broadcaster to really do that. So it's it, I do miss Doc. I, I you know there were times where it was a, almost a, a parody of himself sometimes, but for the most <laughs> yeah. part, Doc was fantastic. So. Okay, my slap. I have to talk about my slap. So I have a couple choices here, but I'm going to narrow it down to one. I think most longtime listeners in the show will know who I'm going for, uh, but there's a few options, and most of them are people I hated in the 90s. So, like, Lou Lamorello is one of them. I love oh, yeah. to slap the shit out of Lou Lamorello for ruining <laughs> hockey in the 90s. And then there's, like, Darius Kasparaitis, one of the dirtiest players I've ever seen. Yeah. He's certainly up there. But, you know, and Marty Brodor, of course, for just basically, you know, coasting on that left wing lock defense and getting all those records. I think he surpassed Bernie's win record. And that still, you know, rubs me the wrong way. I hate Marty. I think I know who this is going to be. But there's one guy from the 90s <laughs> that just ruined my childhood more than anybody else. And that would be noted war criminal Scott Stevens. (laughs) Yes, there it is. Yeah. Now, would my slap have any effect on Scott Stevens? Absolutely not. That guy is just a big hunk of meat. My slap's going to have no effect on him, but still be very satisfying to me to just slap him right across the face and say, this is for Eric Lindros. I prefer an elbow just in his style or a knee. But, you know, I got what a just filthy filthy player and yes I am fully aware that if Scott Stevens was on the flyers he'd be a legend here same with Tom Wilson or any sort of dirty player but guess what he's not I hate his guts it might fire him up if you slap him in the face honestly he might I don't
1: know oh he he would kill me
0: he would straight Uh, up like he he would destroy me and it'd be ugly and I would you know (laughs) I'd be in the ground but I'm never gonna get this opportunity until he oh is that him at my front door right now oh bye bye now It's time. (laughs) It's time. I
1: think, do you remember John Henderson? So there's this dude who used to play on the Jaguars, like in the 2000s, named John Henderson. And before games, he would have like the head athletic trainer for the Jaguars slap the shit out of his face. (laughs) I don't remember this at all. Dude, like just Google John Henderson, Jaguars slap or something like that. And it's one of the first things that comes up. Like, It's insane. And he would just take a massive, like, entire palm of hand to face slap. And he'd be like, come on, that ain't good enough. And then he told the trainer to do it again. And then he would. And then he would run out the tunnel like he'd just, like, it's insane. So maybe Urban Meyer
0: thought that was the Jaguars tradition when he started kicking (laughs) Josh Lambeau.
1: (laughs) Urban Meyer, one of the greatest coaches in NFL history. Like, did he, he didn't even get a did he get one full season?
0: No, he didn't
1: no. He 14 games, I think. I don't think he even made it.
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, the stories that came out about him and his, his verbal abuse and so like, oh my God, what a what a guy. What, it's just like, and also not knowing key players like, oh, who is that? that? That's Aaron Donald. Yeah. You don't know who that is? Yeah.
1: Oh my God. Who's okay. your fighter? Choose your fighter, him or Mike Babcock.
0: Oh, boy. I mean, my fighters, Mike Babcock, because he at least knew the other stars around the league. Yeah, true. He at least was a good coach for a long time before people realized he was a monster. Like, I can't even fathom... I don't even know if there is, like, an equivalent... And believe me, the Flyers have had some hard-ass coaches, but I don't think you have anybody that touches Urban Meyer at the end of the day.
1: No, no, yeah. They're both... Both him and Babcock were psychotic, but Urban Meyer, the thing... Like, he was... Well, I was going to say he was kicking his players, but I'm pretty sure Babcock did that too. So, like, they should hang out. Babcock and Urban Meyer, they should go to a bar together and, uh, you know, after both of their teams lose and, uh, you know, get some young lady to come up with them. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah, the dancing, Urban, the dancing of the young lady.
1: What a sketch thing. That was, uh, God. Very just sketchy,
0: terrible. very sketchy right there. Good. I... Oh, Just the only actually the only coach I could think about doing anything to a player is uh when Peter Laviolette accidentally punched (laughs) Billy Leno in the head like a fucking body. Oh my god, I I do miss Laviolette like laying on the jam back there and his uh the only Flyers coach I could think of that knew when to call a timeout.
1: Yeah, (laughs) the jam, baby. He had the jam. Like, that jam. He was, I didn't get to see a ton of lobby but i loved him when he was on the flyers and um yeah it, i do i do wonder like and this is not part of the outline but like do you ever wonder if like some of the flyers the last few flyers coaches have they had enough of that kind of
0: like that bite to them you know no is it something that's been lacking it's absolutely been lacking like i specifically like dave Hackstall, we all know like yeah. He was probably one of the the worst, like, Philly coaches as far as emotions go. Like, you could argue, you know, all day about his all-nice contributions, which were not good. But, like, just an emotionless brick of a person right there. Like, yeah. he could be a piece of wood. He could have been a cardboard cutout most nights for all we knew. And man, just the opposite of what Philly fans really want out of a coach. Whereas like Laviolette is a guy who, he'd get pissed off. He would just scream yeah. and just, that's what you want. Now, the thing about Laviolette is he always wears that as welcome. He, he runs hot. So when he burns out, it's pretty bad. And when he got fired, it was coming on what all the beat writers called the worst Flyers training camp they can ever remember seeing.
1: <laughs> yeah. I just, I wonder, is is bite from a head coach something that should be? Is it necessary?
0: Well, this is an interesting question, especially coming into next season where the Flyers are looking for a new head coach. And yeah. uh I, I I didn't get to read the article because it was behind a paywall. But our good buddy Slam and Sammy Carcieri was writing about that earlier today, and I just know in the URL. did you see this in the in the Slack? I. Don't believe I did. Okay, so Jason posted the link in there, and then I looked at the URL, and it was like, Joel Quenville, Rick Tockett, uh, somebody else was it, oh, John Tortorella, and then he put Kyle Beach scandal. So, what? God only knows where Slam and Sammy was going with that, because I, I looked it over quickly, and I saw Tockett's name, I saw, saw Tortorella, and then before it got to the Quenville part, it was behind the paywall. So I don't want to speculate on what the article was without reading it, but I sure hope he wasn't advocating for Joel Quenville to come back because that guy should never have a job in hockey again after what he did. Never, ever again.
1: No. Yeah. Like
0: Slam and Sammy. What are you
1: doing? My God. (laughs) Sorry. I just had a, that was the most random, like rogue cough. Well, I mean, like, you're just that shocked at what Sam, Simon Sammy's putting into the universe. That yeah, was. <laughs> was so weird. But like, oh, God, why Why would you even touch on that subject? I don't know. I really He should not be, he should not be even
0: in the discussion for any hockey-related job. And again, I, I'm just speculating here because the URL had all those words in there. But like, there's just no way that like this should even be something that comes up. He should never ever even be in an NHL rank again, unless he paid to be there.
1: I agree. Yeah. Like, and I know there are people who say like, he's a good coach and everything. And you know, dude, no, at some point you have to take into account ones on, or excuse me, off ice actions and how you, there's no defending what he did there. You just, you can't like, I'm sorry. Like, Anyone who thinks that Quinville would should be a candidate, you're
0: out of your mind. It just do, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, and there is a certain point where ethics do matter. Okay, yeah. like I know yeah. we keep trying to brush stuff under the carpet in sports, and it's getting ridiculous. Like the Cleveland Browns even touching Deshaun Watson is insane to me. I don't understand I it.
1: Believe that happened. Like I like imagine being a woman working for the Cleveland Browns right now. Oh like, how, Just, how would that make you feel? Like, I mean, what do you say to, to them after this?
0: Yeah. And and look, yeah, I know he didn't get charged by anything, but, you know, 20-plus women came with allegations. That's uh, kind of a red flag, in my opinion. But mm. there's that. And then, you know, Hockey keeps trying to sweep whatever they can under the rug. They tried to sweep Kyle Beach under the rug. We all know it. It's like, Eamon <laughs> and I discussed it at length. Like, they very clearly tried to keep this hidden as long as they could and could not yes. anymore. So yeah, it, it, ethics do matter. And like, this is half the reason that I'm having a hard time, even like really mustering up a lot of excitement for the Phillies because they have two people accused of uh, domestic abuse right now on the team. And it sickens me. I hate it. I hate it so much. And I'm not going to clap for these guys. I'm not, you know, it's a small, but like, I'm still going to pay for tickets and I feel like an asshole. I feel like an idiot for that. So that's kind of where we are with sports. So anyway, it comes down to this. Do not hire the guy who helped cover up one of the worst scandals in hockey history uh, and the abuse of a young man and just ruined his life. Uh, do not hire this man. It's that simple. I don't think the flyers would do that, but again, I don't know what goes into that article and everything. And just like, uh, so frustrating
1: yes it is and it's just you know when it comes out of this head coaching search i think really when it comes down to anything like don't bring someone in player head coach whatever it is if they're not a good person like i know you're trying to win games i know you're trying to build a team and win a championship and yada 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 but for god's sake like do some semblance of background check have a have a an inkling of sympathy for you know people who may have been affected by said person's actions and just second like just really think things like this through i I don't understand how this is still happening now where it's just well he's a good coach or he's a good player it's like dude
0: that ain't it chief that ain't it that ain't it chief you got to draw the line somewhere so just kind of steering back to the the question of what we're looking for in the next coach i personally i would like somebody with a little passion but you know, can keep it kind of cool. The bigger thing to me is like getting somebody with some newer ideas because the, uh, the, you know, getting these retreads and I hesitate to throw a guy like talking in there because he's had very limited opportunities compared to some other guys, but you know, he is to a lesser extent than some of the other names out there are retread, but like, I want some new ideas out there. Also, I just want somebody to get the goddamn special teams working right. It's just, <laughs> The Flyers have literally now the worst power play in the league, and I'm so sick and tired of it. All I want is a functioning power play. I barely even care about the rest of the team. Just score when you have the man advantage. For the just that, time.
1: yeah. Be as bad as you want on the PK, just as, for God's sake. As long as you can score a single goal on the power play, that's all we want. Our crops are dying. We need something here to, to, to make this right. Our crops are dead, they're burnt, and the earth has been salted. Yes. It's it's ugly. Everything is ugly right now for the flies. Now, one thing I do want to ask is you mentioned getting like fresh blood in, like not bringing in a retread. Like who optimally would you think that would be? This is where
0: I really have no goddamn
1: clue. <laughs> that's, I, exactly. That's where I stand too. Because I'm just like, well, like I know there are a few guys. I know there's a guy over in Sweden who a lot of people have been talking. Um, and then there are some college coaches, but I feel like people are going to have PTSD from the whole hackstall thing. And you know what? I do credit the flyers though, for going out and getting Hackstall, even though it was pretty much a nightmare. He was different. He wasn't a retread. He was basically, he he was something new that, you know, I'd rather them go for something different than go for something that's the same or someone who's been around and you, you know, it's just you know pretty much how the story is going to end, you know? <laughs>
0: like it did with Elaine Vigneault. Exactly. We, we tried to ignore all the Rangers fans saying, we know how this story ends. And we're like, okay, yeah. okay, I hold the phone, tough guy. And then they were all right. And we were like, god damn it.
1: Yeah. But I do I do credit the Flyers
0: for kind of making that move, even though it didn't work out. Because they tried it. They tried something new, which is what this franchise has been always battered and bashed over, is just going cool. with flyers or retreads like, okay, it's either a guy they promote within from within. And it's funny that I'm so optimistic about Briere coming in as a fresh voice when he is like an ex flyer who's coming in. But I don't know. I I think when somebody
1: constitutes though, as like a truly fresh voice, because he's like, we talked a little bit about this last week. He's not like the classic flyer. He's not like a bully. You know what I mean? He was a skilled player who has a vastly different opinion on things than like Bob Clark or uh, Holmgren. So I he, feel like he's that's also okay. seen the past
0: decade of flyers hockey and he's yeah. experienced it, you know, not all the years, but at least a couple of the years, whereas like these other guys only knew winning back in the seventies. So that was the only way they knew. Like Danny Briere has been on a team that went to the cup in the modern era. And he's also been on teams that just were nowhere close. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And I, I, I do kind of wonder, so like as much as I would like to see the Flyers try something different and maybe bring in a college coach again or not not even a college, like maybe someone from, you know. The AHL. League, I don't know. But yeah, the AHL. But part of me also wonders now, and some people are probably going to roll their eyes when I see this, but I, I do kind of wonder. Someone like Tortorella is, so he's clearly flawed. Like he's not, he's, he's kind of like lobby where he loses, like he, the message he, like the team kind of gets sour on him after a couple of years, but I feel like he's the kind of coach who perhaps with a team going the direction the flyers are going, maybe he would, cause everyone knows he has a ton of bite. He's, I mean, he's a very in your face, very loud, boisterous guy. Would that be what the Flyers n- need now to contend and to to make this quote unquote aggressive rebuild work? And like I like I, that's kind of what makes me feel like they're going to go for another retread because it's like if they say like we you know we're going to make this aggressive retool and we still plan to compete, which like <laughs> who knows if they actually will? But Tortorella has been proven to take horrible teams like Columbus and then do things like beat one of the historically best teams in NHL history in four games in the first round. Like he has a proven track record of having success with very bad teams. And it makes me wonder like, is that kind of what they're looking for in their next guy?
0: It wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me to see Tortorella at all. And is it Bill who said this over on PSH Radio about uh, just <laughs> the fact that Tortorella coming in and dealing with the Philly media is just like a goldmine for... Oh my god. It would be unbelievable.
1: I mean, it would be must-see TV every single Flyers game.
0: Like, I would want to bring Tim Panaccio back just to deal <laughs> with Tortorella on a daily basis, because that sounds... <laughs> yes hilarious so like, i i personally am not optimistic about the idea of a tortorella even though he can maximize a roster like columbus uh he he definitely is proven and he's a guy who can do that stuff but man that is like the retread of all retreads now it, it absolutely would not surprise me to see tortorella come in though because of the way chuck fletcher has spoken about the aggressive retool and all that stuff like it seems very clear that this fan base is a very unhappy with the course this team has taken in the last few years, really the past decade and b like Comcast is seeing this. They're seeing those empty seats and that, you know, we all talk about like Comcast doesn't care, blah, 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 but they care about empty seats and they are seeing also that the, the flyers have very clearly, and the flyers are always kind of fourth in the Philadelphia sports scene, unfortunately, but they kind of like switch with the Sixers sometimes depending on the success. And right now the Sixers are very, they're very far ahead. Yeah. They're number one. I would say like,
1: it's probably down between, well, actually it's, well, it's probably always the birds it's
0: always. Yeah. yeah it, it's probably Eagles, Sixers, Phillies flyers right now. And by the way, the Phillies are a team that have not even made the playoffs in a decade. So the fact that the flyers who have made the playoffs at least a few times in the past decade aren't even in the conversation in most of the sports, it's like, comcast notices that they know this stuff they're not happy about this stuff now it's not healthy for the flyers to really go for the aggressive retool this is a team and we'll get to the chemo team and comments in a bit but on the chemo team and podcast that uh we had translated through megan's friend and uh ke- great just a stick tap to kelly ankle and megan and megan's friend who didn't really want you know, the limelight on this one, but getting that translation of that chemo team in podcast was great. But one of the things that chemo said on that was that the Flyers really need a full rebuild. They absolutely do. And I couldn't agree with them more. And this aggressive retool is really just the unhealthiest thing they really could do as a, a franchise right here. Yeah. And
1: I, I mean, that's, I feel like that's kind of what everyone's been saying the last couple of years. Like, we're kind of going in that direction of a full-on rebuild. And it the, the most frustrating part about it is just it doesn't seem like ma- – like management really, really thinks that they can fix this. And I just – with all the contracts they have on the books, like Kevin Hayes – we talked about this last week. Kevin Hayes, now Rissa Leinen, uh, Couturier. It makes me wonder, like how, like, how can you make this work? How can you possibly turn this ship around without – really just tanking on purpose essentially, or, or like making absolutely huge changes in the front office, which it does not appear they're willing to do right now.
0: Like, and we're not even talking about just the GM. Like we're talking like, I need some of these behind the scenes people, either with even further reduced roles or just have no voice in the room because it's the old school guys that are also just part of the problem right now. Like we're talking yes. about flyers legends. We're talking about great all time flyers, but like, I I I don't have faith that these guys are really doing the right thing for the franchise in the modern NHL at this point.
1: I agree. Yeah. And I, Kelly said it beautifully a couple of weeks ago where she basically said that everyone talks about like, oh, the Flyers are cursed, you know, the, the Kate Smith curse or whatever. Um, the real curse of the Flyers is the Broad Street Bullies because that's how they're they, they that's how they continue to try and build their hockey teams is like they want them to be tough and 200 foot players and they, they want them to be big and, and gritty and all that. And it's just not like that anymore. And that's why it feels like a full rebuild, including GM, head coach, like player, like everybody. That's why it feels so necessary. But even though it most people could probably agree that that's where they need to be going. They're doing the exact opposite. They're kind of it it appears they're going to run it back next year with the same front office people. And they're going to bring in a a new coach, obviously. But um, there are so many things that need changing that they're not going to be changing this offseason. And that's what's concerning a lot of people.
0: Oh, it's extremely concerning and you really don't have any faith in them doing it right at this point you just have zero faith in it and that sucks it just sucks and it, yeah. it sucks to think about even like if you replace chuck fletcher even if you replaced him with like another steady hand on the wheel like an old school guy because think about chuck fletcher like we went through and evaluate a lot of his moves and they're mostly not bad moves it's just like when he, make, when he has a really bad move it's really bad like yeah, yeah. Rasmus Ristolainen, and you know look I don't I, I really hate talking this way about Kevin Hayes but that Kevin Hayes contract stinks yeah no it's not good. although
1: I, I will say like he's playing better he's playing really well the last you know couple of weeks but still that doesn't really uh I still don't think he's worth quite that much money I mean I feel like most people would kind of agree with that sentiment so like it's just there are so many things that have snowballed into the Flyers being where they are now and it's just like I can understand why people have no hope right now, you know, it's just, there's no easy way to fix this. And it seems that the most effective and best way to do it would be to make top to bottom changes. And they seem just completely unwilling to go that route.
0: They do. They seem completely unwilling to go that route and it sucks right now. And, you know, we got 15 games left. I think if my math is correct, I was not a math major and, there's not yeah. much left to see, unfortunately. Like, I, I just saw on the Slack that Elliot Friedman was saying that the Flyers are debating how much what to do with Yandel for the rest of the season because and that also came up on the Chemo in podcast where you know Yandel really should not even be getting playing time right now, but because of his Iron Man streak, he's in there. But at least we're seeing Cam York on a regular basis now because you want to see yeah. the youth up there. And then uh what should we call it? Noah Cates has just signed his ELC and is playing Ronnie Adderd signed his ELC and he'll be playing. So at least we are going to see some youth coming up and see something at least different. And, you know, it's, it's been a rough ride and there's still 15 games left and basically a whole month of hockey to watch. So at least there's a couple things that we can focus on for the future.
1: Yeah. And
0: l- l- like you just brought it up, like Noah Cates,
1: you got Ronnie Adderd here, Cam York. And I am um, I will say I'm really excited to see Cam York paired with Proverov because like Proverov is a guy that like Friedman even said, like the Flyers aren't totally sure. Like what's going to happen with Proverov? What do they have in Proverov? And I think that's a question they've been asking themselves. Um, it's good to see Cam York with him because – Clearly they, they trust Perov And this also means that they trust Cam York too. They like, they want to give him more minutes. They want him to really just kind of throw him in the fire at this point in the season. Cause why not? Like, what do you have to lose? Nothing at all. So like, go ahead put him on the top pair, see how he does. I know he has been kind of hot and cold, which like you'd come to expect, but this is the, what it is. Like when you're a team as bad as the flyers, this is what this part of the year is for. Like let some of the younger kids play a little, you know, play more in the NHL see how they do, and just kind of go from there. Like, give the fans some glimpses of the future. And, um, you know, I know a lot of people are are upset that Cam York isn't Cole Caulfield. We could talk all day about that. But Cam York has turned out to be, I don't know, I, I, he seems to look like a pretty, like a legitimately good defensive prospect for the Flyers. And I feel like as long as they just keep kind of nurturing him in slowly like this, it's it's good. I, I think it's good for him. And, you know, that's really, for me at least, what I'm looking forward to the most with every Flyers game. I'm just kind of watching Cam York and the, the kids at this point. And it's going to be the same thing when, when uh, Roddy Adder plays and like Noah Cates. Like now that they're all up, um, assuming they all, you know, stay on the roster for most of the rest of the season, um, that's kind of what I'm fixated on mostly.
0: Oh, for sure. And I love what I've seen from York so far. Like people really focus in because he's not Cole Caulfield and all that. But like, as you said, and that's not fair to Cam York.
1: Yeah, it's not fair. It's not his fault, but he's like, he's in his own right. He's been like pretty good. You know, he's definitely showing glimpses of being a legitimate NHL player.
0: Well, and people put pressure on him. You know, they they express disappointment. Like, oh, he's, you know, he's probably projected not to just be a second pair defenseman, but it's like, dude, You need to get six defensemen from somewhere, and as we've seen from the past a couple decades of Flyers hockey, it's very hard to find six good NHL defensemen. So if you can get a second pair guy who can man the power play, I will absolutely be very satisfied with that, especially, you know, the Flyers drafted him between 10 and 20, which is... Usually when you're in the NHL draft, like one to 10, you really should be getting a bona fide NHL player, probably top six if it's a forward and definitely in the top four defenseman for a defenseman like that's your expectation. So to get a guy between 10 and 20 that will probably project out to be a second pairing defenseman and can be your power play quarterback. I think that's great. And that's exactly what I want to see. He's a smooth skater. He's got a good shot. Great offensive instincts. I, I like what I've seen from Cam York.
1: Yeah. No, I love it. Like people complaining about, Oh, he's only a second pair defenseman. You need second pair defenseman. Like I, I feel like a lot of people think that if Cam York isn't in the top 10 in scoring by defenseman like every year, then it's like some sort of failure of a pick. And it's like, dude, like that's not what dictates go- a good player. Like first, especially if it's as a defenseman, like your, your job is to be responsible with the puck. Like, don't turn it over. Like, in obviously, you know, defending, Um, but like he has shown a lot of signs of being a truly useful player who can obviously play on the power play. He's, he's probably not going to be Kale McCarr. He's definitely not going to be Kale McCarr. Like no one is Kale McCarr. Yeah. Um, But I feel like people have such high expectations for these young players. And when they're not like all world defensemen, they're like, oh, that would have bust. We should have gotten, you know, uh, this guy instead who was taking two picks after. And it's just like, what do you, what do you say? You know? I mean, if you get a useful player, you get a useful player. And that's what makes cup winning teams. Like you need a roster full of good players who do their specific job well. And if Cam York turns out to be a good second pair defenseman and a good, like first or second power play quarterback, and he's not, you know, um, he's not putting up point per game numbers, who cares? Like, as at the end of the day, if he's playing well, that's what matters the most. And I feel like people want these young guys to immediately be world-changing cornerstones. And that's just not a realistic viewpoint at all.
0: No, it's not. And I, I'm kind of sick of this, like, impatience with all these young guys. Like uh yeah there is a, such a thing as development like i know it's hard to hear but development is absolutely a thing and bringing guys along at their own pace is definitely a thing so like he's also a guy who's still learning and and going into place and i think he's one of the more exciting guys out there right now now kates based on what i've seen it probably doesn't have quite as high a ceiling like yeah. i actually think it's fantastic that york might be in a second pair defenseman because that's hard you know de- defense is hard to find quality defensemen right yeah. whereas it's Kate's at least based on like what Maddie wrote last uh last fall on him is probably more of like a middle six to bottom six kind of guy uh utility bottom sixer is what she projected him in September 2021 since then he's played with Team USA and such but yeah you know he, he's a useful player again you have to have players throughout the lineup right good players so I'm excited to see him I'm actually really excited excited for Ronnie Adder like if this guy can really come together and again i'll take him as a second pairing defenseman i'll take him as a third pairing defenseman i don't care he's got size he's a right-handed shot sound familiar 6'3 208 23 years old and he's got a name like he sounds like he was in an 80s metal band like oh yeah you remember Ronnie added he was the bassist from face stabber back in 88 like- <laughs> he sounds like he should be in the band poison He does. He does. Ronnie Adderd from poison. Like I want, (laughs) I want this guy to be dynamite. I want him to kick ass. Now I don't know where he's going to be. Uh, Maddie wrote that he has the ability to crack an NHL lineup, at least in a third pair role with his physical toolkit. Uh, he has some development to do, but I'm excited to see what he can bring to the table right now. Yeah. And like
1: physically he has all the sizes. He has the size that you want, like six, three, two, eight. He's a big dude. He's pretty heavy. Um, And I'm really excited to see his shot. Like, I I think someone put somewhere that apparently someone's comparing his shot to Ovechkin's shot. Mike Yo did it. Mike Yo is saying that, which is, like, insane. So, like, and that that kind of freaks me out, too. Because now people are going to say, oh, he's got an Ovi shot. Well, he should be scoring goals every other night. And it's just like, oh, God, I can see it now. Like, he's going to – remember, he's a defenseman. He's going to score, like, five goals a year. If you're lucky. Good year. Yeah. If he's luck if he's like having a truly outstanding season. But like that's like it's good. I'm excited to see his shot. I'm excited to see his size. He's he seems like built enough that he could really not I, I feel like people wanna see people just, you know, lay dudes out. I don't know if he's gonna do that, but he's he's a big dude. He could uh, clear out the front of the net. He could probably toss some dudes around if he had to. Um, and I don't know, it's it's exciting. I don't, I don't want to get my hopes too high. I don't think anybody should, especially with prospects in in hockey ever, because it's it's so rare that you get a, a sure thing. But based off of everything and all the information we have, he seems like someone who's a legitimately um, high upside player. So I don't know, he's 23 years old. Let's see what he's got
0: that's how you get the more in mafia is when you get too excited for a prospect, just based on like physical attributes, right? Like, because everybody was coming off of Chris Bronger being one of the best defensemen in flyers history, frankly, and he did it through size and intimidation and such. And also brains, one of the smartest defensemen I've ever seen just flat out. But when Samuel Morin came into the league, he was a high draft pick. Uh, I think everybody at this point would argue way too high. And His physical toolkit, though, like, some people unfairly said, oh, that's the next pronger, and that really stuck with some people, so they really were just high on this guy forever, and unfortunately, he's had so many injury issues, so we've never even been able to see exactly what his ceiling is, but I just thought that was such an insanely unfair comparison to have for him, and just the expectations were just ridiculous. I
1: remember it, too. Like, as soon as they drafted him, people were saying, like, oh, you know, they say his shot. He has a pronger-like shot, and he's got the size and everything. And it's just – I knew right from there, I was like, oh, God, this is not going to go well at all. And, like, honestly, I'm I'm really proud of Moran in a way just because he's kind of stayed within the Flyers organization ever since he got drafted. I, I know he has not really done anything in the NHL of note, but good for him to car- for carving out, like, a – decent length career between the AHL and sometimes NHL. Like I'm happy for, especially given all of his injuries and everything. But when you put those sky high expectations on a literally an 18 year old kid, it's like, dude, like, come on, what do you expect is going to happen right
0: now? So What, what do you expect? You know, and pretty much, unfortunately what the worst case scenario would be for him did happen. I just wanted to say, on a side note, there can you imagine like you mentioned the Pronger shot? Can you imagine being a goalie and having to face Al McGinnis and and Chris Pronger back in the day? Just like two just insanely heavy shots coming at you. I wouldn't
1: like volunteer my backup to start.
0: <laughs> I'd be like, hey, I'm I'm
1: feeling a little tightness in my in my uh, calf here. I think I should probably take the night off and just make an excuse not if, to play. If there I, are
0: any younger fans listening. To this right now look up video of al mckinnis's slap shot like it was an unbelievable shot and from a guy that wasn't that big he was 6'1 which you know ain't small but in hockey ain't the biggest and just like this guy had one of just the greatest slap shots of all time just insanely hard heavy fast slap shot
1: yeah i so i never really got to see him like too much i remember when i was younger um and i lived up in upstate new york at the time um we would watch obviously we would watch a ton of hockey up there um but as like a sentient adult human being i didn't get to watch him much so it's a shame i would have loved to see him and pronger play together because that would have been amazing um but yeah no like having two dudes like that with that kind of shot on the ice at the same time would be horrifying like, if I'm a goalie, I would be I would be petrified. Like, where's it coming from? Who, like, you know, it, it would
0: really freak me out. I think he probably has at least, like... It's the slap shot that's stuck with me the most to this day. And I've seen yeah. a lot of great slap shots in my time. Like, my favorite as a flyer, I mean... John LeClaire had a great one when I was growing up. Shane Gostas bear had a fantastic one. And and Claude yeah. Giroux, you know, RIPD Claude Giroux with the Flyers. But he, uh, he didn't always hit with his shot. I feel like Claude Giroux missed a lot with it. But when he did, oh, it was a thing of beauty.
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. And that's what I love about Giroux and Goetz. Like, you like they're kind of smaller dudes, so you wouldn't expect them to have these massive shots. But my god, like when it when Ghost really got a good shot off, that was, I mean, it was like the puck was invisible, it just appeared in the net, or just like he was his shots insane. And I'm god, now I'm starting to get my feels about Ghost not being here anymore. Oh, I know, man.
0: trading him away for assets, both. like just both of them are gone. insane, Jesus. and you know. One final note, and this is a sad way to end the show, but I wanted to talk about the Claude Giroux, you know, departure again, because as I mentioned earlier, Kimo Timonen went on his podcast in Finnish and was talking about Claude Giroux's final game. And man, it's just like, if you thought it was sad, guess what? It got sadder somehow. It somehow
1: got worse. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, it doesn't sound like the arm-wrestling champ of Philadelphia really wanted to leave. Per the translation that Broad Street Hockey acquired on this, it was tough on Claude. He was still crying heavily when we were drinking. He was sorry to leave, and he probably never wanted to leave Philly. But that's just how it goes. It's business. The other side of hockey. And when the team isn't in the playoffs and there's no hope, they start trading the big names, trying to get the picks. Trying to get picks. And Claude Drew got to experience that, and it was tough on him. Man... This guy was a fucking Flyer. Like the best yes. thing Elaine Vigneault ever said during his tenure as Flyers coach was be a fucking Flyer. And Claude Giroux was a fucking Flyer. He
1: He's like, we've talked about this before. He's the entire reason I'm a Flyers fan. Like growing up, I didn't watch a ton of hockey. And then not long after the Flyers went to the cup, I started getting more into it and like seeing him play and just like just everything like his his vibe and just the way he played was so different from everything else i'd seen and he's the entire reason i got into hockey as much as i have and it's just knowing that that's the way he went out and knowing that he didn't want to leave like i think we all knew he didn't want to go like it was pretty clear like he lives he's lived in philadelphia for a long time now like his family lives here he's raising his kids here um but it's just like it it doesn't make it 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 really just pours salt in the wound when you see these comments from from chemo. It's just it's rough.
0: It's rough. It does pour salt in the wound a little bit, but it also it it, it makes me happy that we got to give him such a great send-off at that thousandth game. Yeah. Like to to really let him know how much we appreciated him because like you know, there's guys that have felt unappreciated who who left. Like I always think about like from the Phillies with Scott Rowland in the late nineties, yeah. you know, like Scott Rowland, like thought, well, we, and we ended up hating him because he made these comments about baseball heaven in St. Louis and leaving, but we loved yeah. him before he demanded the trade. Like I, he was my favorite. That was my first Philly heartbreak was Scott Rowland like demanding a trade I was like I because I saw that guy come up and I'm like oh this guy's a special player and then he didn't want to be here and that just tore me up inside and Claude Giroux is a guy who he wanted to be here and he knew how much we liked him and we knew how much he cared and it was just like a great relationship there and it just sucks that it ended like it did and we're probably not going to see him again in a Flyers uniform we probably shouldn't and The possibility now is of him maybe even going up to Ottawa to finish out his career, which is something we've joked about nearby Hearst, Ontario, but Kimo Tiemannan fueled it on this podcast, and Elliot Friedman has mentioned it, and that's where he grabbed a cop's butt, so there's a lot of things lining up.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I really hope it doesn't come to that, because... I don't know, maybe he knows something we don't know. Maybe like Ottawa's got some really good young under the radar prospects coming up where he's got his eye on. It. He's like, Oh, if I go up there, then we'll have something. But you know what? And, and dude, I I can't that really can't happen specifically for Bill. Like if Claude Giroux is a senator, Bill Matz might actually go insane. And I, that I just like I don't want to see that happen to Bill. <laughs>
0: like, Bill has been barely clinging to sanity. Like I don't know how he does yeah. these the post games like he does. Like I I've done it a couple times and I'm like, all right, Bill, this is like intense, dude. Like I don't know how you do it. So he does the Lord's work with that stuff. Like he is just, uh, you know, Bill might crack. He might that might be it.
1: He'll become the Joker if he goes to Ottawa. Like like send it like take it to the bank i feel like that would just be bad it would be really bad
0: that okay so he'll become the joker if claude goes to ottawa i'll become the joker if joel quenville ends up it's the flyers next head coach oh god
1: yeah i mean i think everyone will become the joker at that point i will be all right so i i do want to say this so we're recording this on april 1st april fool's day earlier today i looked at twitter and i got fooled someone made like a mock flyers account and they perfectly Photoshopped Keith Yandel onto the graphic of like breaking news. We have signed Keith Yandel to a two-year extension. And I straight up fell for it. That was, I was actually turning into the Joker. For like <laughs> Cause it wouldn't I, have shocked you. No, no. I swear to God, I thought it was real. And I was like, there's how, how did, why would they do this? And then I saw it was from a different account. I'm like, thank God. Dude. <laughs> That would have been, oh boy, I would have actually gone insane if that was legit. But thank God I saw the, I noticed the blue check mark wasn't there in time because I was about to go ham on Twitter.
0: Yeah, well, I think I fooled also uh, Drew Meyer from from the blog there because Drew was like, they got me, they got me.
1: (sighs) Just, Uh, thank God
0: it's April. What's worse, April Fool's Day or Trade Deadline Day for this stuff? Yeah, right.
1: Honestly, April Fool's Day. Because at least Trade Deadline stuff, it's like kind of fun. Like, April Fool's, it's never fun. You're just duped consistently.
0: Well, and Trade Deadline Day, I always just go and I guess get off of my main Twitter page and I just go to my list of insiders and I just refresh that all day. And you can't fool my list. Yeah, exactly. You can... yeah, but if you're just scrolling through, like, I've had so many times where... the, the You know, I know we have to go soon, but uh, when I was... Over the summer, I had gotten a, a notification, like, on Twitter, where it said, like, uh, 76ers nearing trade for... I don't know, one of the big, like, NBA stars who was... Oh, it was... Um, who's the guy from the Trailblazers who was available? Lillard. Oh. They said that the 76ers were getting close to getting Lillard, and, like, this notification just randomly popped up on my iPad from Twitter. And I was like, Oh, is that real? And I looked it up and it took me like five minutes. I'm like, no, it's not real. But then I said it in the house. And the one guy who was like a ball buster in the house who, who talks like this <laughs> was like, Oh, the 76ers locked down that Lillard deal yet. Oh yeah. I heard the Celtics are getting close to, I'm like, shut up. This guy was a pain in the ass. It's terrible.
1: Like sometimes it can be just such a clusterfuck and then, uh, but it can also be fun at the same. It's weird. It's a very odd sensation, honestly.
0: Oh, yeah. And it's always hard to describe to people in real life where you're just like, uh, this thing on Twitter It's like, I sound like (laughs) that. I know.
1: I I try to just keep my mouth shut (laughs) when I'm talking.
0: Exactly. Just, Just keep your head down and, you know, make it through. You'll make it through. Well, we're going to see what happens with Claude Giroux, and we're going to see. Hopefully, there's no many, not many more dumb April Fools jokes that come out. Like, what, what was the thing you were telling oh, me God, about just before we started? Stinger is
1: now the mascot of the Colorado Avalanche, which makes no sense. But somehow, Bernie, the Avalanche dog mascot, somehow makes more sense than Stinger in Co- in Ohio for Columbia.
0: Yeah, that would be a big loss for the Avalanche if they traded for Stinger. Yeah. Like definitely the the blue jackets would be getting the better deal by like oh for sure yeah stinger might be a bottom five nhl mascot i'll fight him i'll slap stinger Uh, i
1: I think he's the worst
0: (laughs) he's pretty bad (laughs) he's no no harvey the hound craig no no one is harvey the
1: hound yeah oh
0: i always love when you bring up you'd be like uh harvey the hound i'm like why do you love harvey the hound every time oh but yeah, Stinger stinks. He stinks. Crash. It stinks. By my book. All right, folks. We got to sign off, but thanks so much for listening. We have had plenty of podcasts for you today, and hopefully all that came through because my computer had a shit ton of issues today. But if you have any feedback for us, the best place is on twitter.com.org.edu.ca. Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? Find me on the Twitter machine at Ryan Quiggs. Wunderbar. Anything you want to plug right now? Anything you're working on for any of your multitude of websites? Absolutely
1: not. I'm just trying to get some sleep.
0: (laughs) I'm just trying to get some sleep sleep and everything. I hear you. That's why I didn't record yesterday. I was very tired. I went to a concert Wednesday night and I was exhausted the next day because I'm old. Yeah. Relatable. Yeah. All right, folks. You can find Ryan at Ryan Quiggs. You can find me at Fly Purply or at Estate Bomb. If it's for hockey purposes, make it Fly Purply. Follow BSH Radio. Follow Broad Street Hockey. Blah blah blah. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, "Good night and good hockey." Wow! 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 Wow!
1: Wow!
0: Wow! 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 Wow!